0: All right, well, turn with me to the book of uh, Luke, chapter 6, Luke, chapter 6, and uh, let's, let's dive into this thing called making disciples. So, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us from your word, and you would solidify this as a lifestyle for us, that we would be a people who reproduce ourselves in the lives of others. Amen. So we've been talking about making disciples, as I mentioned, and we've, uh, we've been just really pushing into this verse in Matthew twenty-eight 18, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. And so this is Jesus' instructions to every one of us who are believers, he's called us not just to have our sins forgiven and not just to uh, go to heaven, but to partner with him to see other people come to know him. It's kind of like I've said, it's like a search and rescue mission. We were lost and now we're found, and now the Father's calling us to go out and find other people and bring them in. Uh, and, and, and this series is in no way to try to like, you know, manipulate people or assimilate them, make them like us or just get people to come to our church. No, it's about, it's about love. It's about becoming friends with people. And helping them to see who Jesus is because we're convinced that following him, being his disciple, is life and blessing. That's what we want for people, right? Amen? So we've been learning how to make disciples. And really what we've been learning is how to bless people. How to become their friend, sincerely, right? And just and learning to journey with them. To simply walk with people. Building an eternal redemptive friendship while we bless them, we pray for them, we love them, we serve them. And as we're walking with them through life, as we're walking with them as a friend to point them to Jesus. Really, I've showed you from the scriptures that that's really as simple, that's how simple it is to make disciples. That our job is simply to point them to Jesus. And so we've learned how to share our testimony, our story. We've learned how to share the gospel. We've learned how to lead a, a seeker Bible study. And if you'd like any of those handouts, they're in the back there. Uh, we've just kind of given you a little, little tips and tools. And we'd love to have a workshop on this where we can develop these skills more in our lives. But really this series has just been to give you that vision and to give you some tools to, to, because we believe you're the ones who are out there ministering to people and loving people. We want to resource you. We want to empower you. And today, I want to ask this question, really, uh, what do you do when somebody actually accepts Jesus? You know, we've been talking about leading people to Jesus and pointing people to Jesus, but what happens if they actually said yes, right? Now, what happens when they come to a point where they realize they need the Lord, and they, and they come and they accept Jesus as their Lord, what do you do then? What do you do then? Do you notice that in Matthew 28? In Matthew twenty-eight, it says, "Make disciples. Right, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you." Obviously, discipleship does not end when someone comes to Jesus. Sadly, so often the church has believed discipleship begins when people come to know Jesus. But we've learned that that's not true, right? Discipleship begins wherever that person is on that spiritual journey. You come into their life, and you literally begin to make them a disciple, by pointing them to Jesus. But there's a difference, isn't there, between leading someone to Jesus and then helping them to grow in Jesus, isn't there? There's a difference. There's a shift. When you're journeying with somebody who does not know the Lord, it's kind of like you're introducing them to Jesus, right? You're trying to bring them to Him. You're introducing Jesus to them. But there's a point at which a person will surrender to Jesus as Lord and receive forgiveness of their sin. Their spirit will be born again, right? And it's different now. Literally, you have birthed someone. I know it might sound a little weird to you, but you have birthed somebody into the kingdom. You have brought them into the kingdom. And discipleship does not end when you bring them into the kingdom. What do you do? Like, they accept Jesus, and you're like, whew, we're done. Check, check that mark off, right? Like, you know? No, but just like if you birth a child into the, into the world... You don't stop there, do you? Right? You've got to nurture them. You've got to bring them up. You've got to parent them. Your responsibility has just shifted. You know, before they were born, a mom is carrying that baby in the womb. All right? The baby's been conceived. The baby's a baby, right? Real human being being carried in the womb. But parenting really begins when the baby's born, right? They need nurturing, It's the same thing in the kingdom. You literally birth somebody into the kingdom. Let me tell you, the fun stuff starts when they're born. Does that make sense? Spiritually speaking, that's when the fun stuff starts, and that's when the real work starts. Before, you were trying to point them to Jesus and help them to see their need for Christ. But when they surrender to Christ, now the joy of discipling them in the Lord, discipling them and helping them to grow in the Lord, really begins, listen to what Peter, um, not Peter, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, I'm sorry, 4.15. He says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Interesting, isn't it? Paul, again, it's not like some weird uh, thing. It's just a spiritual reality that if you lead someone to the Lord, You have a significant place in their life. The Bible simply says, Paul is is, is communicating to us, that when he preached the gospel to them, he was the one giving them the invitation to come to Jesus. He was a part of that, a very intimate part of their salvation. He literally birthed them or brought them into the kingdom. And so he has a place in their life, what you might call a spiritual father, or for those of you ladies, a spiritual mother. It's a very significant role. See, so when you bring someone to the Lord, you're responsible for them. Now, you're not solely responsible. Did you notice what Paul said? You might have 10,000 instructors, but you have one father. Meaning that, hey, it takes a village to raise a kid, and it takes a church to raise a Christ follower. We need the church. All of us do. We need community because it takes a church to raise a Christ follower. So I don't mean that you're solely responsible, but listen, you are responsible. And I long that every single one of us would be journeying with people, pointing them to Jesus, and have the joy of bringing them into the kingdom. Think about it. Those of you who have, have, uh, those of you ladies who have given birth to a child or, or, or dads, you've seen it or you've had kids. Oh, it's an amazing experience. I've watched three children, my children, born. It's amazing, right? Even Jesus describes. Uh, the joy when he says like his of his own crucifixion he tells his disciples you guys are going to be uh, so sad when I die but then when I rise from the dead you're going to be filled with such joy like a mom who forgets the pain of childbirth because of the joy of the child in her arms I mean seriously my wife after a couple months she forgets about the pain she's like let's have another one you know what is that right now it's the joy and the love the excitement of having a child right See, there is no greater joy than being a part of bringing forth life. Those of you who have had kids or or you've had nieces or nephews or, you know, right, you've become an aunt or an uncle, oh, it's so exciting, right? Oh, in the kingdom, it's even better. The privilege to be a part of someone coming into the kingdom, coming to know Jesus, oh, there's no greater joy. Think about it. Even Jesus says that. All of heaven rejoices when someone accepts Jesus, the Bible says. One person, one person comes to Jesus, and Jesus says the whole, all of heaven is thrown a party. And you know why they're partying, right? Because Jesus is excited. Because Father is excited. See, what happens is God, when someone who was lost is now found, when someone who is dead comes to life, when someone who was far from God comes into relationship, God is so excited because that's why He created us, right? That's why Jesus died, because he wants us. And so when people come into the kingdom, God is so excited, just one person. And it causes all of heaven to rejoice. See, when you get to be a part of someone coming to the Lord, that joy can be yours too. There's, no, there's, there's nothing more fun than that. And this is one of the reasons why I like to share when people come to Jesus, because we get to all celebrate as a church. And we should be excited, huh? The greatest miracle ever happens when someone comes to Jesus their spirit is born again. That's a resurrection miracle, isn't it? Amen? There's nothing more exciting than that. But like I said, we have to make sure as a church that we don't drop kids off at the institute of the church. They need parenting. They need nurturing. They need someone to help them grow in the Lord. And see, so I want all of us as believers to know how to disciple people into the kingdom, and then once they come, into the kingdom to help nurture them in the way of the Lord, because it's not okay for somebody just, you know, oh, they, they came to Jesus and hope you make it, right? No, every person, and especially new believers, they need someone to help them to grow, and so rather than dropping kids off at the doorstep of the church, we need to be those parents in this church, right, who, who embrace people who come to the Lord and really help them to grow, Amen? So what do you do? You know, imagine that uh, you can imagine, let's say, uh, let me make up some fictitious characters here. Imagine that two friends from college, they, they named John and Bill, they, get, they re- get reconnected with each other. You know, they really both like biking, and so they start biking, you know, on the weekends, most weekends. They go out there, and they ride their bikes, and they start, after a good, good long bike ride up in the mountains, they come back, and they go to lunch. And they just start hanging out and they rebuild their friendship. And you know, over time they, they rebuild that friendship and uh, one day Bill tells John, man, I'm just going through really hard stuff, I'm going through a divorce, this is just tearing me apart, it's really, really hard. And, and of course, John being his, his friend, just, you know, empathizes with him, he's there for him, he says, man, I'm there for you, I'm sorry that you're going through this. And John begins to just take a step of faith and just says, you know, hey, I, actually I was there a number of years ago too, and and, and reached out to the Lord, and John begins to share his testimony with Bill, just real short, but he lets Bill know that, you I, I can relate to what you're going through, and you know, it's not like I'm perfect or anything, but I turned to the Lord, and I've really relied on God, and God has helped me and brought restoration even to my own marriage, and so he shares that with Bill, and Bill at first a little weirded out, but Bill thinks he knows John's for real, you know, he knows John's for real, and so he's kind of open to it, and Anyways, they leave it there, and, and John just tries to be a good friend to him, tries to be a support as, as Bill's going through some tough stuff. Anyways, they keep biking, and they keep hanging out together, they keep going to lunch, and, and over the course of a number of months, they, they, they get into spiritual conversations. They, they talk about, you know, where's Bill at, and John's able to share a little bit more about the gospel here and there, and Bill starts asking some spiritual questions to, to John, and because obviously Bill's had a really rough part in his life, and he's really reaching out for, for help, and he's really reaching out for stuff. And so at one point, again, John's thinking, man, Bill's really kind of opening up. I should, I should probably take another leap of faith. And he says to Bill, John says to Bill, hey, you know, why don't we, uh, I'd really love to like show you in the Bible, like, who Jesus is. You know, what if we just like went through the Bible as like a you know not like a Bible study, you know no, I'm not going to preach to you, but like a, like, a, like a Bible club you know, or not a Bible club, like a book club, where we just read it together and just find out what it says. I mean, would you be interested in that? Because obviously by this point, Bill's thinking like, hey, John's got something that maybe I need and, John, and Bill's wanting to think this thing through, but of course he's intellectual, he's got questions, he's struggling with just stuff going on in his life, and so he's not really sure. You know, he's not in a place yet where he wants to like Uh, uh, surrender to Christ. And Bill's definitely not going to go to church. So John's thinking, man, why don't I just do it? I'll just journey with him. right? So then John and Bill, they keep doing their bike riding and they go to lunch, but what they start doing is they start going through the Gospel of John. And they start just reading it and just kind of talking about what they see there. And the crazy thing is, is before they even make it through three or four chapters, Bill's already encountering Jesus right there. And Bill comes back to tell John, He says, John, you might think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you this is like while they're riding on the bike. Bill says, dude, I find myself like just talking to Jesus. And I kind of feel like he's actually with me. It's kind of weirded me out a little bit. And so John, again, has to think to himself, man, maybe I should take another leap of faith here. And he says to Bill, Bill, have you you surrendered your life to Christ yet? And he takes him to John chapter 3 where Jesus says you need to be born again to enter into the kingdom. And, and, and John explains to Bill, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And He says, he says that this is a free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And if you'll give Jesus your life and follow him as Lord, it'll, it, it'll bring blessing and he'll teach you how to walk in his ways. But you've got to receive the gift by faith. Right? You've got to trust him. Right? And John's kind of nervous because John's like, man, I don't want to push this too far. And Bill... Bill says, no, that's exactly, that's where I'm at. I'm telling you, these times that we've been talking, I'm starting to catch this, and I'm realizing that, that there is more. and I want that relationship with Jesus, like you have that relationship with Jesus. And so John says, Let's do it. Let's Pray right now. So right there, on their bike ride, drinking some water, John leads Bill in accepting Jesus as Lord, as the leader of his life, putting his trust in him. He comes in, the kingdom. Now what does John do? What does John do now that Bill has come into the kingdom? Right? What does he do? So let, 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 me, let me ask you those questions here. Think about it this way. Let me do it this way. If you had, if you had five minutes, let's say you led someone to Jesus in an airport, it's not uncommon for many of us, right? An airport or some random place. You lead someone to Jesus, and you've got five minutes. You don't know if you will ever see them again. You've got five minutes. What would you tell them? Think about that. for a second. What would you tell them? You're thinking, I may never see this person again, but by the grace of God, kind of divine appointment, like Philip in the Ethiopian, I led this person to Jesus. What do I do? What do I tell them? Oh, my goodness, right? You know? And in this case, you don't have the ability to necessarily disciple them long-term. However, now with technology, you could, if, it, if the Lord led you to get an email or Skype number or something like that, and you could keep an ongoing relationship, and you could develop that relationship and disciple them. So just keep that in mind. But let's say, you, you know, it's just not going to happen. What would you tell them? What would you do? Now, let's extend that for a second and think, what if you led them to the Lord and you had three years with them? What would you do... How would you disciple them in three years? Maybe just prophetically you knew, okay, I've got three years to really help them grow in the Lord. What would you do? Think about this. Five minutes. Five minutes, what would you say? What is the most critical, most crucial things to give to somebody? Five minutes. Think about that. And I'll give you my thoughts here. So, with um, Michelle and I had the privilege of journeying with Rich Hook. I've told you about some of that story where we just journeyed with him and pointed him to Jesus. And many of you in this church prayed. Many of you were friends with him. Many of you planted seeds in his life. And Michelle had the privilege of leading him to faith, right? She was bold enough to say, Rich, how's that working for you? You Well, it's time. Time to surrender, basically. And he came to a point where he was willing to surrender to Christ. He knew he needed the Lord. He was trying to do it in his own strength. So he came to Jesus. I mean, full on, born again, right? Just like Lynn shared in his, her testimony, and just like in my own testimony, it's like we opened our eyes and everything came alive. I mean, the colors are brighter. It was just like, oh my goodness. And I get home and they're talking. Kind I think you guys had the Bible open. They're talking and M- Michelle's thinking like, man, I hope Dave gets here. You know, I remember she was saying that. And I get there. And there's Rich, and they tell me the story, and he's come to Jesus. What do you do? Well, way to go, Rich. We'll see you later, right? What do you do? What do you do? What did I do once he came to Jesus? Well, here, let me give you this. If I had five minutes, which I've done this many times, like uh, maybe I get a divine... Appointment and I shared Jesus with somebody Even on the streets or something like that I may never see this person again And here's what you want to know And I put a handout in your program So you can follow along in that But basically, if you've got five minutes I would simply, after you've led them to Jesus I would simply help them to understand What it means to be a follower of Jesus In Luke chapter 6 That's why I had you turn to Luke chapter 6 Jesus says this Open up to there In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says in verse uh, 40, if you'll turn to verse 40, He says this, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Jesus is talking about discipleship there. He's saying that You won't be greater than the master or greater than the teacher. In Matthew 10, he uses the phrase master and teacher together. He says, you won't be greater than the one discipling you. But he says, everyone who has been perfectly trained or literally discipled, thoroughly discipled, will be just like their teacher or just like the master. See, when we came to Jesus, he died and he invited you into the kingdom so that you would become just like him. And effective discipleship leads us to become just like Jesus. He never, he has never lowered the standard. He is calling every believer to become just like him in every single way. And so, here's what I do. When I, when I see someone, they come to know Jesus. I simply make sure that they understand, hey, look, Jesus didn't just die so you could go to heaven. He wants you to follow him. Remember that, how Jesus said to the first disciples, come Follow me, right? And so really quickly, I might say to them, Jesus wants you to follow Him. He wants you to walk with Him in relationship. And here's what He wants. He wants you to become just like Him. And as you follow Him, He'll teach you how to live, and He'll bring blessing to your life, and He'll use you to bless others. Real simple. But what I've done is I've given them, if you will, the goal. It's very, very important as we as a church and we as believers have a vision a clear vision of what it looks like to bring someone into maturity a clear vision of what ship looks like and it looks like us becoming like Jesus Paul actually says in Colossians chapter 1 and this is a very core verse for me as a pastor in Colossians 1 he says that he endeavors to bring every person perfect in Christ to present to God Every person perfect in Christ. What he's talking about is bringing people into Christ-likeness. That in their character, and in their lifestyle, in their words, in their thoughts, and their actions, that they look just like Jesus. This is why in our church we'll often say that a disciple is one who is becoming and doing just like the Master. Another thing we'll often say around here is we'll say that a disciple is one who is learning to know Jesus intimately... Become like Jesus completely, and partner with Jesus in the power of His Spirit. What we're basically saying is, He's wanting to invite us to become like Him, not just in our character, but in our actions. And so a lot of times, I'll just really simplify it this way for people. I'll just tell them, hey, if i got five minutes, I'll say, Jesus wants you to follow Him, He wants you to be in relationship with Him, and by being with Him, you'll become like Him. When you're like Him, you'll see blessings." It's real simple. And what I'll tell them is three things. The same three things that we encourage you, almost every Sunday, to do. Be with Jesus, be in community, and be a blessing. Really not very complicated. The gospel's not complicated, right? And nor is following Jesus. It might be a lot of work, but it's not complicated, Jesus simply said in John 8, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If they'll be with Jesus and get into the word and pray and worship the Lord, they will grow, because you become like someone by being with them. And so as we spend time with Jesus and allow his word to come to us, Jesus to teach us, we'll become like him. And he'll set them free. And if you only got five minutes, you really are trusting that the Lord is their Lord and not you. Amen? Amen? The next thing, though, is Hebrews chapter 3 says that we need to be exhorted by one another daily. Hebrews 10 says to not forsake the assembling together. We need to be in community, and we need mutual encouragement as we walk with Him. So the best thing you can do is encourage them to get into church, to be in a community of people who believe in Jesus, who follow the teaching of the Word. Now, if you only have five minutes, you try to give them some framework so they don't end up in some cult. But, you know... (laughs) kind of a joke, but that is true. You do kind of want to say, look, they need to believe the Bible, they need to believe Jesus, you know, Christ is, is uh, God and man, you know, that kind of thing. You Get some basics down real quick and tell them, be with Jesus, spend time with Jesus, be in community, and finally, just tell them and be a blessing. Just like I shared Jesus with you, you share Jesus with people. Tell them. Jesus simply asked, go feed the sick. I'm sorry, go feed, well, heal the sick, you know, feed the, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. Just tell them, just real simple. Tell them, go and give it away. Okay? So if you have five minutes, tell them, look, follow Jesus, do these three things. Be with Jesus, be in community, and be a blessing. Now, if you've got three years, if you've got three years, really, we're just teaching people to do that, but we get to lay a better or stronger foundation for them. And we get to nurture them and to help them grow. So here's what I do, uh, for example, with Rich. With Rich, the moment he came to Jesus... I sat him down, or he was already sitting down, so I sat down. I opened the Bible, and I said, Rich, can I tell you what happened to you? See, people will accept Jesus, but they don't know what happened to them when they came to Jesus. They don't realize what a miracle just happened. You have to hear it from the Word. So I simply said, can I just tell you what happened to you? Kind of give you a little bit of pointers, okay? Now, I knew I'd probably see Rich later, but let's just say, like, I didn't know. So I simply sat down with Rich, and I said, I took him to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 says, verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the cravings of the sinful nature. And Galatians chapter 5 with some other verses from like Romans 6, 7, and 8, help a person to understand that when we come to Jesus, our spirit is born again. We've still got this flesh. And I read to him the works of the flesh, and I read to him the fruit of the Spirit. And it was funny because he was like, uh, (laughs) I said to him, which one do you relate to? Or something like that, and he was like, Oh man, what are you doing? Just calling me out here, you know? What I mean, basically, as a non-believer, he related to all those works of the flesh, or most of the works of the flesh. But I told him, I said, "That's not who you are anymore." I said, "See, all your sin is forgiven." And I talked to him about how now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to earn your forgiveness. You're already forgiven. And he asked me, he said, well, "What do I do? Do I like obey the Ten Commandments? What do I do?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, the Ten Commandments. That's all good. That's good if you want." But I said, I said, "Actually, this is what it is." I said, the pressure's off, man. I said, you don't have to earn his forgiveness. You don't have to make yourself be a good Christian. His spirit, Christ himself, is living inside of you and empowering you. You're already in the family. All the sins are forgiven, and you have Jesus' righteousness. His response was, whew, that's a weight off your shoulder, isn't it? I said, yeah, so now you're starting at 100, not 0 he was like, that's good news. Of course it's good news. That's why we call it the good news. But then I told him, I said, so here's what Galatians 5 tells you. Walk in the spirit. And I just simply told him what that looks like. It means you walk in relationship with Jesus as you surrender to his leadership in your life. And you trust him. You trust his righteousness. You trust in his grace. And I told him, if you'll spend time with Jesus and get in community, and walk with Him, He will speak to you from the Word, He will change you, and He will empower you to become like Him. That's what I told Him. Now if all I had was five minutes, we're good. Because I've now just entrusted Him to Jesus. But I didn't have five minutes, I knew I could become His friend. And there's many people in my life that I have poured my life into for extended periods of time. Whether they, I met them at Bible college, and they were already Christians, but they were struggling in lust. And God had set me free, and we're just talking as brothers in the Lord. And I said, brother, dude, God has set me free. Let me help you. And I became kind of a peer mentor in their life, kind of a mutual discipleship started happening. And I started pouring into them, teaching them about who they are in Christ and helping them to get set free. I mean, I've done this with many people, right? You might, you might be, do it with your own kids. You might do it with kids in our church, youth in our church. You might do it with friends or family members. It doesn't matter where they're at, but you start helping them to grow in the Lord, right? So here's what I would recommend. If you've got three years with somebody, number one, I want to encourage you, call them right away. I'm telling you, you don't want to let a lot of time go by if you've led someone to Jesus. It's kind of like, again, getting somebody in, it's like birthing somebody for real, like a little baby, and then not nurturing them. They need a lot of nurturing, they need a lot of care. Call them, especially if they're going through something, you know, especially. You want to be there for them. So guess what I did? The first thing I did with Rich, the next day I'm on the phone with him after work. He's driving home. How are you doing? How are you doing, brother? How's it going? You know, the first thing he told me is as he's driving down the street, he's telling me about his day. He's telling me about his new day with Jesus, how he's just like blown away, how everything's come alive in him. And he's feeling so free. And then he starts, it was really funny because he told me this, uh, uh, well, he basically asked me uh, a question. I won't tell you the details, but he simply was like, hey, uh, is this sin? He asked me, like, a question, gave me a scenario and said, is that sin? And I said, yes, yes, it is. And he said, I never knew that. What was happening? He was already being led by the Spirit. He was already hearing God. He got in the Word right away. I'm on the phone with him at least a couple times that week, maybe then once a week for a little while, and now we don't talk as much, though. We're trying to reconnect. Even within the next week, though, he says to me, you know, hey, I'm reading the Bible, and in Colossians chapter 1, ironically it was Colossians 1, I feel like God's speaking to me about him being with me at work and all this stuff. I don't even think he used the phrase, God's speaking to me. I think he just said, like, this verse spoke to me or something. And you know what I told him? I said, that's God encouraging you. God's speaking to you right now. And he said really? A little bit later, same thing, he's reading the Bible, and just this principle, just a truth popped out to him in the scriptures, and he said, I don't know if I heard God, but I got this principle from the Bible, and I said to him, I said, no, that was you hearing God. He said, really? I said, yeah, you're not that smart. No, I probably didn't say that, but it's true. I probably said, no, you're really smart, that's awesome, you're amazing, I usually try to encourage people, but really what I'm saying is, no, when you got that insight from the word, that was the Holy Spirit illuminating that to you. Now, what am I doing? I'm not even teaching him, am I? Like I'm not giving him any, I'm not telling him, this is what you need to believe. No, really what am I doing? I'm coaching him. And I'm teaching him some of these core things and this is what I want to encourage you. The number one things that I want to get down for people is they need to know who they are in Christ. They need to learn how to be led by the Spirit. I'm telling you, if you help people know those things, they will grow. You'll be a catalyst for them instead of just trying to prod them or push them or something like that. So what is the first thing I did with Rich? This is who you are in Christ. I began to teach him that he is born again, that he has power, that the Spirit is living inside of him, that he's dead to sin and alive to God, that he has authority. I began to teach him that the Spirit is living inside of him and can speak to him. And I began to model to him and encourage him to get into the Word. And what began to happen? He began to hear God. He began to be convicted of sin. He began to hear principles and insights from the Word. And what did I do? All I did was affirm, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. See? That's so much what I do, is try to get people to do what a disciple does. (laughs) Be in community, be with Jesus, and be a blessing. And as they're on their journey, you just applaud them and encourage them and speak those things into them. But another thing I do, you can do this either formally or informally, as I begin to help lay a foundation in their life so that they can move into maturity. Think of it like this. In three years, how can you help them move from milk to meat? How can you lay a foundation for them to become a mature Christ follower, not stay in the baby years, right? We want them to grow up and to become those who know how to receive and those who know how to give. So I begin, in conversation, like with Rich, or I've done this again with many people that have come to the Lord before, I just begin to share with them. Now, if it was, for example, John and Bill, back to our imaginary story, what should John do? Just keep meeting in a Bible study. If they're already meeting in a Bible study, you keep doing it. Does it make sense? So you can do this in a very formal way. I encourage you, do this in a formal way if you're already meeting with somebody. Start going through the Gospels with them. Start going through Romans with them. Take them back to the Old Testament. When Emily came to Jesus here at our church, Debbie started meeting with her. Now, Emily was already going through OSL and getting doctrine through my teaching and some other people's teaching. But Debbie started meeting with her and taking her all the way from Genesis, well, first through the Gospels and then all the way through Genesis, to help her to know the Bible. And they would just meet and talk about personal character kinds of things, right? We joked, we used to call it, or we still do, we call it Operation Deb. Because Debbie took Emily, if you will, under her wing. And even though uh, Emily had OSL, she needed other things from Debbie. And it helped uh, Emily to grow. And so what I encourage you to do is, number one, you call them right away. Number two is get them into community. Don't be the only one trying to pour into their life. If they can, bring them into our church, or if they're, at, if they're your coworker and they live somewhere far, far away, get them into another church. You know, you can't make them, but encourage it. But get them into our church, for example, if they're in this area, and get them into community. Okay, number three is start meeting with them. If you haven't already, start meeting with them. And begin to pour into them, again, formally or informally. And one of the best things you can do is either take them through the Bible and or walk them through your OSL notes. Operation Solid Lives, our discipleship program, walk them through your OSL notes. Why? Because in the same way we have discipled you, you can simply disciple them. And that's really what we're trying to do here. We're trying to pour into you for your sake, but also for the sake of others. And so uh, it's really that simple. And you'll notice I put like kind of an outline of things that we basically go over in OSL. I make sure that they know God's love. I make sure they know who they are in Christ and that they're right with God. I make sure that they understand things about the kingdom, how to be led by the Spirit. I make sure I talk about Jesus' Lordship. I talk about God's covenant promises. I talk about the gifts of the Spirit and their calling and their ministry. I just begin to talk about it. Now, for me, I've rarely ever done this formally except OSL. We did that on purpose. We designed OSL to be able to disciple one or many. But in that case, it's formal. But most of the time, I do it like I've done it with Rich. We just hang out and we talk. We just talk about these things. I remember one time Rich sent me an email, and I called him back after the end of the day. He sent me an email. Is Jesus coming back? I called him up. I said, hey, tell me what's going on. What are you thinking? And he's like, well, I was reading the Bible, and it just seems like there's a lot of mention of Jesus coming back. Is he coming back? And I was like, Yeah. And then I told him about Jesus' second coming and how kingdom's going to come in full the restoration of all things, and just kind of went over that for a couple of minutes. And he was like this. He was like, oh, my goodness, this just keeps getting better. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, there's nothing more exciting than hearing that. I mean, the only other thing that even comes close is like watching my kids do something amazing for the first time, like them walking. I mean, seriously, it's amazing to watch somebody come alive, get a biblical worldview, and begin to live it out. Or when he says to me, yeah, I'm building these friendships with people in my work who don't know Jesus, and he says to me, he says, yeah, I'm simply doing with them what you did with me. I'm not trying to pressure them or trying to preach at them. I'm just journeying with them like you did with me. I never even told him to do that. Why? Here's the deal. And here's the bottom line for this morning. You will reproduce who you are. My greatest challenge to you today is simply be a disciple. If you're walking with Jesus, you're living in community, you're being a blessing, guess what will happen? You will reproduce people who do the same. You haven't done OSL. You're lacking equipment to be able to pour into someone else. You're not in the Word. You're lacking something to give to somebody else. The greatest thing you could do is just keep pressing into Jesus. You don't have to be anybody special, an expert or professional. You could be struggling in your faith. You could have all the questions yourself. All you got to do is say hey, I'm on the journey too, let's do it, let's do this together. All you got to do. It's really not very complicated, but that's the challenge, is you reproduce who you are. So if you're seeking the Lord, you're pressing into these things, you're being discipled, you can make disciples. You can pour your life into other people. You don't have to think that, like, imagine them having this big cup, imagine their life being like this big cup. A lot of times we feel like we got to fill them up. I don't have enough information. I don't know enough of the Bible. I'm not all that spiritual. I'm not amazing. I don't know how to do those things, Dave. You're Dave, you know? Look, look, you don't need to fill up their big cup. You got your little cup, right? All you got to do is empty your cup into theirs. Hey, look, this is all I got. Just no Jesus loves me. I'm just trusting in Him. So I'm giving that away. You go to your friend and you pour that into their little, into their big cup. You say, sorry, I don't really got much else, much else to do. But what I can give you, I can give you friendship. Do the iron sharpening iron thing. And we can read the Bible together. That's about all I got. I don't think that I'm some amazing example of a Christian. I'm just trying my best. You can pour your little cup into theirs. And here's what's awesome. It takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a community to raise a Christ follower. You bring them into community, and they start going through OSL like Emily did. And they start hanging out with Operation Deb. And they start... And you get them connected with other believers, and guess what happens? You pour your little cup into them. You pour your little cup into them. You pour your little cup into them. And what happens is God fills them up and grows them up. Amen? Isn't that what's happening in your life? That many people are pouring into you? So why don't you be one of those people that pours into someone else? Amen? Amen? Amen?